This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome on to another episode of Double Tap. It is Friday, it's the 17th of February 2023. Coming up today, it's a HomePod review from Sean Priest. <laughs> oh, this will be good. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hey, Sean Priest, I, I teed you up well for that demo, didn't I? You sort of threw me under the bus, I'll be honest. Review? Uh, okay, I, I wanted to live with them a little bit longer yet, but um, I'll definitely give you my impressions, first impressions. Okay, well, that, well that's See, often a review, is that not what a review is? A kind of, yeah, but you know, there, there's more to it. As you live with something longer, you find the nuances and the, the, the nuances, the inner beauty, as I keep telling my wife. Oh yeah, but I've been using that line for a while, it never really works, <laughs> to be honest, because there has to be some, some beauty there, that's the problem. Oh yeah, good point, I am physically grotesque. How are you anyway? Uh, equally physically grotesque, yeah. Good. Gr- grotesque, grotesque. <laughs> Can you tell it's Friday? Oh, dear. Someone's you know, tired. I, I got through this week. I got through it. I, I got out of the TikTok thing. I managed to get my sleep pattern back on track. I'm well a done. hero. Well done, you. Now, I, joking aside, it is difficult to give that stuff up. It, like, it is just for killing those those times when you just sat there and you, you, know, you just grab your phone, don't you? And I've got like three or four apps that I always open. You know, when I get up in the morning, I grab my phone. I'm making breakfast or something. I'll open the news app check the news and then i'll go onto facebook watch it's a it's like a, a routine it's a habit is it an addiction i don't know and you've kicked it well done you i think the problem is that when you go into your you know you go into the, the phone and you go and open up an app i don't know if you do this but i open up the twitter app sometimes and then i'll go through twitter and i'll read through some things and then i'll close the app and immediately open it again and I think, why am I doing that? What is yeah. that about? Because well, FOMO, you're, you're afraid you're missing something. That's right. That, that yeah, you think, second. oh, maybe there's something happened. And I think, you know, in all seriousness, I do use Twitter. That's the main reason I started on Twitter was because of the, the tech news thing. I was getting so Absolutely. much information. And, yep. you know, I follow a lot of people who share a lot of articles and it's always very interesting. And there was a period, maybe of two, three weeks, if you remember, maybe even four weeks, actually, where it was just, it felt, it felt like nonstop news. Every yep. day we were... We were really kicking the backside of that jingle. And, you know, yes. we, we were really using it all the time because, you know, we were just, there was so much going on. And I think the guest to a point where you almost become a little bit addicted to the news. And you just think, if I, if I switch this off for a couple of days, I'm going to miss something big. Uh, and actually, I think that's maybe what's helped this week is there hasn't been any news. <laughs> Nothing to report. You're welcome, listeners. The thing I found is that I, I find it less useful for news recently. I, I don't know if it's the way the timeline works. I don't really spend enough time actually in the Twitter app itself. I'm not entirely sure, I'll be honest, how it all, how it works, how the timeline plays out. I do find a lot of things that... Actually, I'm not that interested in anymore. It used yeah. to be the, the, the back in the day that it used to be everything that I, you know, everyone I followed was all the tech news and disability news and the disability and blind podcasts and all that. And it was really relevant. And I'm finding it less and less so as I went on. I must admit, um, because when I, when I had my accident, as I said, I was seeing a lot of tweets come through. And again, I really appreciate it. But I'm seeing everything through notifications now. Yeah. It's very rare that I actually go in and I, I feel guilty because I actually want to go in and tweet. But sometimes I I just I'm reading everything through notifications and I find that easier because it keeps me up to date. But it means I don't sort of 
fall into that rabbit hole of um, searching through. <laughs> it's, you know, it's more than that as well for me anyway, because I think that sometimes I, I look at something, like today there was something that came up that really irritated me. And I just thought, this is just rubbish. This is just something I'd love to get into and debate and discuss, but it's just not the platform for it. Because if I was to go on there and say, look, I don't mm. agree with this, or I just think this is nonsense, the limitation of of the characters, the short form nature of the, the, the platform means that you would have to end up, I mean, I, I cannot stand, anytime I see the words, here's a thread, I'm out. That's it, I'm done. Shut that yeah. thing down. Yeah. Don't ever show me that rubbish. Because I'm not sitting listening through 800 tweets that you've decided just to throw out there because you can. And that's how people are using it. They just, they've realised that the way around the short form problem is just to have tweet after tweet after tweet after tweet. And I can't be bothered with that. So there's that problem. But you, you then have to have a debate with people who are always, it feels anyway, as if everyone's just following a line. No one seems to actually debate you anymore. I've noticed this. Maybe social media is the only place this happens. I'm seeing a little bit more of it in public as well. It used to be just on social media. You would have a debate with someone and they would, okay, yeah, I see your point on that. And then you'd have a discussion about it. Now mm-hmm. it's, I am absolutely fixed on my position and nothing you say can change it. And it's like, there's just oh, no room. Right. It's like the days of nuance is gone. You know, it's like you can't have a debate where you say, well, you know, two things can be true at the same time, or I can see the point of view in this. It's what, you mean, a that. respectful debate or well, I don't even know if it's. I, I don't even know if it's respectful. I think you can have a you can have a debate that's respectful. Of course, you can. Yeah, you but can also, also have a bit of disagreement, and that's fine. But and you can, you can even get a little bit disrespectful. You, you can still disagree with someone and still be have a respectful conversation. See, I, I, I know a lot of people grew up with this thing, right, where they were told respect people or respect your elders or you know respect essentially give respect. There was an extra bit that my parents added onto that, which was if they deserve it. That's the bit that I always cling on to. If you deserve the respect, you'll get it. And that's how I always work. So in a debate, if I don't respect your opinion on something, I'll tell you that. But it's actually, I find on social media, it's impossible. I come from, you know, when I started out in broadcast, it was talk radio. That's what I did. So having conversations, and it was meaningful debate. I I wasn't a shock jock. I wasn't out to try and just get people listening. That was obviously a result of it. But, you know, I was arguing points I agreed with, things I believed with, believed in. And I could argue the, the point. I could argue the toss. And, you know, sometimes I'd say, do you know what? You've made a really good point. Actually, I'm going to change my view on that. But, you yeah. know, and, and, but I, I don't think that ever happens anymore. I think it's almost like people don't want to be seen to do that. And it's kind of why I never go down. That, that's I, the rabbit hole I just can't go down on social media. I got to say, I, I think there's a lot of room for misunderstanding when it comes to just text anyway. You know, sometimes, you you know, I know there's sort of emojis and um, symbols and signatures. Have you ever got a text from your partner that just says, I'm fine? And you think, yeah, what does that mean? Yes. To be fair, even when she says that to me, it can mean (laughs) many, many different things. Yes. So I'm not sure. I much prefer leaving uh, audio. You know, if Twitter, you could just leave audio messages. I know because you can leave an audio tweet, right? I thought that was really cool, but yeah. you can't reply or people can't reply using audio. And I, I, I much prefer that. I'm saying that and um, I never use Clubhouse, which is sort well, of that. I, I was thinking know. of Vorail, Vorail, remember that? And um, Oh, uh, yes, but that... that, that, that has... went, I mean, well, there's an interesting example, right, of how social media, <laughs> you think because it's audio-based, it would be better. And, you know, my last experience of it was, well, it was quite the opposite. Yes, there's um I, I think the pay aspect has something to do with that. 
um yeah i don't know social media itself i'm still not convinced of the you know the positives outweigh the negatives i must admit I'm not. I'm not convinced at all. Okay, let's go really off the subject of social media because you know you and I. It's ironic, isn't it? We talk about not going down rabbit holes, and here we are. Here um, we are. But let's talk about HomePods because that's more interesting to people. Uh, so you got the new HomePods, right? Tell me first off. Give me. Give me the smell. Give me the the, the feeling. You know, let's get up close and personal <laughs> with these. Let's do what other reviewers just don't do. You know, get, yes. let's get rubbing it up against a mic. Okay, that's weird, um, <laughs> and I can't do it because they're in the living room, but. Um, <laughs> You know what? It's the usual Apple experience when it comes to, you know, the packaging and the, the, the quality of them. And man, they are heavy things. So they are about the size of your standard biscuit barrel or cookie jar for our uh, Over the Pond listeners. Very good. Um, <laughs> they are heavy. They feel quality. The difference between the second gen HomePods and the first gen, which I'm very happy about, is that the power cord is detachable. So it's um, a very nice power cord that just plugs into the back. But that's it. There's no other connections on the HomePods at all. I'm going to come back to that. But the important thing, I think, and, 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 you know, as I said, the, the quality, the Apple quality, as we've come to expect, it's there. Absolutely fantastic. They feel lovely, nice quality feel to them and the weight of them. These are speakers. Before, uh, I, I don't even know if they use the term smart speakers in, in the PR for these. These are all about the audio quality. And when I took them out of the box, you can feel, okay, these are something special. Um, in saying that, once I set them up, easy to set up, of course, once you turn them on, plug, uh, plug them into the power, I simply tapped my iPhone on it and boom, it's there. Here's the HomePod, you want to set it up. Really easy, totally accessible, of course. Fantastic. And then I plugged in the second one because I got two and um, tapped on that one. Do you want to set this up as a stereo pair? Uh, you know, what room is it in? Absolutely amazing. And because I put it in the same room as my Apple TV, um, I could pair them to the Apple TV to use them as you know home theater speakers. It works so well as we expect. Now, I don't know if it's because of uh, expectations, but when I first played music through these and i used you know hey lady s as you do works amazingly well much better actually than the echo or the google nest it picks you up every single time i've not yet had a time where i've used the wake word and it hasn't heard me and that's when i've got music blaring or i'm pretty far away it's incredible but when i first played music through it i must admit i was slightly underwhelmed oh yeah. Now you've had the first gen HomePods, right? You still have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know you said, you know, bar the Sonos, they're probably the best speakers you've heard, right? I, I could even go so far to say I think they're either exactly the same in terms mm -hmm. of quality or maybe even better. I don't know. I mean, I must admit the Sonos, the whole Sonos kit is just incredible. It there's is. No, there's no denial about that. It is definitely the best speakers that, or what, certainly that type of speaker. I mean, you could argue very much that. There are, of course, better speakers out there. There are lots of different types of speakers oh, that of go into amps or, you know, even Bluetooth bookshelf speakers could be could be better. Although, I know, like Kef, for example, is one name that immediately springs That's to mind. That's right, Tannoy and, and yeah. anything. And plus, you, once you walk into, you know, separate um, satellite speakers and sub, separate subs, you, you can get really deep into it. But if you're talking Wi-Fi speakers, I think Sonos, 
Apple HomePods, they are definitely on a par. At least the, the Gen 1s, I, I've not heard Gen 2, so I can't, I can't comment on those. But I'm, I'm taking your word on this. Well, from the, uh, from the technical or the internals point of view, there's two less tweeters in the second gen and two less, uh, two less microphones as well. I think there was seven tweeters in the uh, first gen and was it six microphones? And there's two less in the um, second gen. Weird, but honestly, it? It's just weird they've done it that way, right? I mean, well, it is $50 less. So, I mean, I don't know if it's purely for cost or they just thought it was a bit overkill in the first place, having seven. Mm. Do you actually notice a difference? Now, not having listened to the first gen HomePods, or at least not side to side, I don't know if there is a difference in the audio quality. And look, and to be fair, we should say that you're not the only one to say this. There, are, have, there have been reviews already saying that, they, that people, a lot of people out there don't feel the audio quality matches up with the first gen. Yeah, but as I said, I can't, I can't compare the two. I honestly don't know. But... Uh, let me get into it because when I first listened to it, I was underwhelmed. I thought, you know what? These are actually, to me, they seem a little bit too trebly. They're a little bit um, high. Uh, it seemed like they were lacking bass. And I tried a few different. Yeah, you know, I tried Queen because the production on Queen songs is fantastic, especially in stereo. They're, they're really well produced and they're a good test. Um, but I tried classical and I tried a bit of hip hop and I tried a bit of rock and all that. Um, but the thing is, that was my initial impression. And I've set these up exactly in the same position as my stereo pair of Echo Studios, which one, which I'm using as sort of my benchmarks. I thought they sounded amazing. I found, as I've gone on, that I'm preferring to listen now to the HomePods. And when I compare the two, and I've put both these smart speakers, the Echo Studios and the HomePods, using the um, Apple Music service so there's no difference in the audio quality so i could make sure i'm listening for like for like and when i listen now to the echo studios which used to blow me away i'm thinking they sound a little bit muddy they sound a little bit not as, mm. not as clear and that's the trick they actually the audio quality on the home pods is really cool and i actually prefer it now it's so clean it sounds so that, that's I, I can't think of another word for it. It is that clean. The treble is really sparkling, but the bass is there as well when it needs to be. I listen to some Leonard Cohen. I know, but I, I do like a little bit of Leonard Cohen. And there's some on there. I didn't, I didn't know you were thoughtful. I know it's amazing. It, it's just so weird. I've recently got into him. It's, it's so such strange music, but it's really good. Uh, can um, I tell you something? I only recently started listening to Bruce Springsteen. I know that's shocking to people. Wow. But look, I mean, you have to understand 40 something. years. Well, I'll say this, right? I used to work in radio, music radio. I was sick of most hits in my life. I just was oh, sick yes. of music. I'd hear the same yes. songs every day. And I was like, if I hear Streets of Philadelphia or Born to Run, I, you know, I, I just, I can't handle this. But there was one the other day, I was watching a, a, a show on Apple TV called Dear Edward which has got a fantastic soundtrack. And uh, one of the songs was, um, oh, I can't remember the name of it now. It's something in Disguise, Bruce Springsteen? Was it Disguise? Oh, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. I can't remember the name of it either. I heard it, it the other song. day as well. Yeah. Such a good song. Uh, but yeah, so I, I want to pick up on this bass thing because mm -hmm. I actually found the opposite problem. I had to reduce the bass on mine. Which That's when, interesting. It's when you said, you know, oh, the bass is quite limited. I, I felt maybe you, maybe you need to enable this option, but... I was the. I had to actually reduce the bass because they sit on my desk. So in front of me, I've got my home pods left and right. The, the first gen ones are sitting there, and if they are playing music with a bass, even at night time, I think that's a bit 
It's a bit heavy, you know? I a bit can, too much. Yeah. I, well, that's the thing. That's the strange thing about it, because as I said, the first time I listened to it, I thought uh, the treble was actually a little bit grating, a bit jarring to my ear. Now, maybe it's because I was so accustomed to the Echo Studios, which are quite bass heavy. Um, so maybe that was it. And as I said, I've come, I've become so accustomed to them that I actually prefer listening to music on the HomePods now, and it does sound amazing. But the, it's not a case of the bass just it isn't capable, or they're not capable of the bass because, wow, they are. Um, it's just on some some music. I, maybe it's just a case it's too clean. Sometimes it's it's a real strange. It's almost like you you need to um, your palate needs to mature. It's almost like that. Do you know what you, I mean? It's, yeah, you've got to acclimatize to to headphones uh, and speakers. Absolutely. I think. And now, uh, a few days after, I thought you know I, I went through um, you know a bit of. Pink Floyd and Dire Straits and stuff. And listening to some Pink Floyd, the bass was so there. Um, they, they are really cool. Um, Audio-wise, I think they are probably the best speakers that I've got, And um, which, which surprised me. As I said, I was a little bit underwhelmed. I, no, I'll be honest. I was disappointed when I first took them out of the box and first play, I was disappointed. Um, but as I've, as I've listened to them more and more, I've come to sort of realise, actually, no, this is great. And you can put the volume level up to 100 and they still sound as clear as a bell. No distortion. They just yeah. sound great. And that is a sign of something really cool. So as a speaker, I, I'm I'm really enjoying them. They are okay. fantastic. So you like the speakers. You get, you're getting used to them. You've become acclimatised and everything else is going to sound trash in comparison. I know. I, I know. Yes. The studios um, now just sound like they're underwater. It's like, oh, well, no. Well, that's it's funny you I've say that because them. that's exactly how I felt about the, the Echo Studios. I thought, you know what? I, I actually think if I was buying, if I was purely buying Echoes on, you know, well, for the, for the purposes of just listening to music, that's all I wanted to do with them. Um, I would probably just go for the Echo itself. The, is it the fifth gen we're up to or fourth gen? I can't even remember. <laughs> um, but but the big ball one, basically. Yes. I mean, even the minis, they, the minis, they call them Echo Dots, but the, the Echo Dots are fine. I mean, two stereo paired Echo Dots sound great. Um, it depends on the room size, right? Well, yes, that's true. But, you know, in a, in a relatively decent-sized living room, two Echoes together, stereo paired, does sound pretty nice. And it's yeah. fine. You know, I think there's yeah. a couple of issues with with the echo. I find the one thing that really irritates me is, so I have both set up and I have one permanently set on mute, so that they don't get confused when I talk to them because there have yeah. been occasions where one will just start talking over the other. <laughs> it's crazy, yeah. But then when you do the drop in thing, not doesn't obviously with intercom it doesn't matter because it goes to all speakers, but with you with drop in when I drop into the living room. It always seems to default to the one that's muted. It's like the way when your toast falls, it always lands butter side down. <laughs> and therefore, I can hear my wife talking to me downstairs. And she can't hear through you. Through the wall. Yes. But if, and she can hear me because it's coming through the speaker, but it's muted, so I can't hear the return. That's annoying. So that's something they could now fix. Hang on, it'll be the other way around because you mute the microphone. Yeah, that's right. So she can't talk to me. I can hear her through the floor. Oh, right. I, I can, okay. I'm can't. just hearing her talking, you know, through the floor. But I'm not you need hearing to turn it off the... communications. On the one that you mute, you need to turn off drop-in, so it always goes to the one. Oh, you can do that, can you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can. Oh, right. There you Excellent. Go. I fixed that for you. Wow. I now knew there was a reason a... why you were, you were here. 
<laughs> that's something actually I haven't been able to really test that much the intercom and the mm. announcement on the home pod because I've got them in the in the same room that's why yeah. I want to spend some time on separate them out and use them as uh, so yeah, like intercom. let's talk about the smarts yes okay hmm okay so basically we got Siri in in a speaker right so you've got all that um baggage that comes with Siri. So if you love Siri on your phone, you're gonna love it on here. Um but I mean comparatively, there's there is well, there is no comparison between, you know, the Google or the Echo for that matter when it comes to the the um the range and the quality of the the answers that you get from your voice assistant. I'm, I'm sorry, there just isn't. But being Apple, I don't think that's not what they're going for anyway. It, it is if you're in that Apple ecosystem these are fine. You can start a FaceTime call. You can send text messages. You know, it knows when you're close by using your iPhone. It knows when you've left the house. You can run automate, autom- oh dear, hang on, automations from you know when you come into the house or when you leave the house again because it knows when your iPhone is nearby. Um, from a point of view as someone like you, Stephen, that you are in bed with Apple, then actually really cool. Yeah. But I just find it a little bit, uh, there's, there's limitations there. And, and that's not all. When I'm talking about these speakers are great, and I love these speakers. They are my preferred speakers now for audio. Sadly, I can't use it for anything else. I can only, only supports Apple Music natively. I mean, there is the argument that you can airplay from your phone to them, and you could, you could airplay anything, mm-hmm. Amazon Music or whatever. And I, I get that. But to me, that, that's not really what I want to do. There's no Bluetooth connectivity. There's no inputs there. Um, so I, that, that Apple limitations that I find with so many Apple products are, are still there. You're, you're in the Apple camp and that's it. Now, if you can live with that and you are in the Apple camp, absolutely fine. You're not going to have any problems. But yeah, and to be fair to Apple, I don't think they are saying these are really smart speakers. I think these are Apple Music accessories, hardware accessories. And when it comes to that, I can't fault them. But when it comes to the smart side of it, I am struggling with it. And here in the UK as well, there's there's some limitations I find. You can't play like BBC radio stations because it doesn't support BBC Sangs, the service. So I can't play my local BBC radio stations. But TuneIn is on there, so I can play, you know, everything that's on TuneIn. Um, uh, other limitations... Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. The the, the support, everything's got to be HomeKit, obviously. There's there's no support for anything else at the moment, and that is going to change. Well, but that is these... going to change because it's got the Matter and the Thread capability in there Absolutely. as well. But the, the first gen also has the Matter hub inside as well. It just doesn't have the Thread. It uses yeah. it uses Wi-Fi to connect to the external devices, and Thread is is in much wider reaching. It's like the Zigbee, slightly different. But at the end of the day, as things because we're in transition at the minute till everything becomes matter compatible, and in which case I think there is going to be a, a lot more utility in it. At the minute, I can't really use any of my smart devices, you know, my smart home devices, with my home pods because none of them are really home kit. So I am finding a limitation there. But again. You know, these are Apple devices. And when you buy an Apple device, you sort of, I'm all in on Apple. Well, yeah, and I think that's fine, right? I mean, it's at the end of the day, if they're not being marketed as smart speakers, then, you know, let's cut them some slack. That's a, and that's a good point, you know, if that's, if that's not what they're being sold as. Not, that's not to say enough. they're dumb. 
No, no exactly. Like, no, they're not. Look, no. Look, look what Greg did for us with yeah. that demo. You know, there is workarounds and shortcuts is a really good example of that. I just think, you know, shortcuts is a little bit of hard work for the average user to go in to get things started. I think, you know, it really needs to be in the terms of a speaker or the whole thing of it is ease of use. You just simply shout in what you want it to do and having to go in and set up shortcuts and thing. I think that is a little bit more than the most average users want to do. But but equally, it is quite fun to find out what people can do with shortcuts and, and all absolutely. the fancy stuff. And, and you mentioned Greg, of course. Now, Greg got back in touch with us, didn't he, to, to tell us about some cool stuff that uh, you can do. Now, of course, everyone's talking about chat GPT at the moment and this fantastic way of using artificial intelligence to do all kinds of cool stuff. And uh, Greg's been back in touch with us to show how he's linked together ChatGPT and Siri through his HomePod. Here's, uh, here's how that works. Hello, Stephen. This is Greg from Phoenix. And I've enjoyed listening to recent podcasts about AI that you've been doing. And I especially enjoyed a recent demonstration by one of your listeners named Sharon, who talk to us about how AI works with the Estee Lauder app. I thought she did a great job on the demo. I enjoyed your interview with her. And while I'm not likely to be using that product, I think her perspective was real helpful to at least 50% of the blind community. So thanks for that. I also wanted to do a demonstration of my own for you. I'm going to do this demonstration again on my HomePod, and this is related to artificial intelligence. I got a Siri shortcut, and actually this one was sent to me by a guy named Eric, who you all may know from Clubhouse. He hosts a room over there called Blind iPhone, and as I said, he turned me on to this shortcut. I've taken that shortcut and I've renamed it Hermione, and perhaps you'll see why I chose that name. So I'm going to go over to my HomePod and I'm going to press the button rather than say her name. Hermione. What's the text? Tell me a story about two podcasters named Stephen and Sean who like to talk about technology for blind people. Uh-oh. <laughs> On it. Stephen and Sean are two podcasters who love to talk about technology for blind people. They met through a mutual friend and discovered that they had a shared interest in helping others who are blind or visually impaired. They started their podcast as a way to share information and resources with their listeners. Stephen and Sean are always looking for new ways to make their podcast more accessible and user-friendly for their audience. What's the text? So you hear the prompt, what's the text? And you can ask any kind of question you want, and it will go and ask ChatGBT. Here's a couple more. Hermione? What's the text? Is it better to use a white cane or a guide dog? There are pros and cons to both options. A white cane gives the person more independence, while a guide dog can provide more assistance. It really depends on the needs of the individual. What's the text? Braille or text-to-speech? 
Both Braille and text-to-speech have their own benefits. Braille is a system of raised dots that can be read with the fingers, while text-to-speech is a system that reads out text aloud. Each option has its own advantages and disadvantages, so it really depends on the needs of the individual. What's the text? So again, this is a Siri shortcut that I'm able to run on my HomePod. Could also run it on my phone. And I just thought it was kind of cool and where we're going to be going with our smart speakers soon. Love the show as always and uh, keep up the great work. Talk to you soon. Oh, thank you, Greg. That is Amazing. cool. That is so cool. Uh, he did say in the uh, email he sent in with this, uh, he said, uh, I, I called this Hermione, uh, but you don't watch Star Wars or Star Trek or Harry Potter, Stephen. He said, so I'll just tell you that Hermione is a know-it-all student, uh, which in uh, Harry Potter. Does that make sense to you? It does. I, I, I knew that because I've recently got into Harry Potter. I've I read thought all the that, books. Yes. I am loving it. But I didn't. it didn't click with me. Why You you said you called it Harry or whatever it's called. But it's like, I don't understand why. But of course, because she's a know-it-all. She's a, a SWAT, as they call it. Yeah, of course. And look, that's a great use of ChatGPT. And didn't it work well? You know, it, it, that was long text he was dictating there. Yeah. And it picked it up so well and the response time was really good and to use open gpt in that way fantastic again though you got to do it through the shortcuts and maybe i'm being a little unfair because i haven't really looked at shortcuts in a long time i don't know how easy that is for the average user to set up but very cool so i think the next demo we need to get from greg <laughs> just to keep him busy is shortcuts to, to tell us how he's doing this yeah what's the process of this walk yeah. us through you know creating all of these shortcuts because it might be really simple you know, then again, I don't know. I, I, I'd love to learn a bit more about it. Uh, right, yeah. listen, stick around. We're going to talk more about all of this and get your emails as well. Stick around. This is Double Tap. Follow Double Tap on social media at Double Tap On Air and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. We'll be right back. This is Double Tap. Now, back to the show. And we're talking today about HomePods and, uh, well, all kinds of fancy things, really, when it comes to HomePods, because, yes, they are not being marketed necessarily as smart speakers, but they do have the smarts in them. And in a weird way, by what Greg's been demonstrating, they're actually even more capable than yeah. the Echo in some ways. I mean, you could argue they're more yeah. customizable, uh, customizable, but I, I, but I you've got to that build it. That's the problem. You've, it's like a Lego it set, and they will come. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the thing. How how friendly is it? You know, we say about uh, back in the day, we used to say about the Google Nest smart speaker and the Echo. The mm. difference was it was so easy just to browse through the skill store using the Lady A app and uh, enable things that way, where it seemed a little bit more hidden, a little bit more like you had to dig around for the Google Nest. And I got a feeling it may be the same. But as I said, I, I don't think, I think primarily these are all about the audio. It's all about the speakers. Um, but before I move on, though, the, the third thing I want to mention um, is using them with an Apple TV. You know, this mm. all in on Apple, obviously. Now, my... Previously favourite speakers were the Echo Studios or even just, you know, the Echo whatevers. I think they're fantastic. I still do think they're fantastic. But I tried, I bought a, a Fire TV stick specifically to set them up with the Echo Studios to use it as home theatre. You know, the Atmos because they fire all over the place and they're meant to be fantastic. Oh, it was hard work. You know, you, you can 
pair of them together and it all seems to be fine, but it's just so inconsistent. They disappear. And I set them up on the arc of my TV, the audio return channel, which means that whatever I've got plugged into my TV, you know, if you had a skybox or whatever, in my case, I'm just using the free view from the TV. I'm watching you know, my favourite soap, Coronation Street or Emmerdale over here. Um, and you're getting that audio coming through the speakers. And when it works, fantastic. But the thing is, it always or constantly falls over, disconnects, or you'll lose the speech. And from my point of view, yeah, you know, that's that's hopeless. We're we're lost without the speech. So I had to turn them off because it just wasn't consistent enough. Now with the home pods, you can connect them to the Apple TV exactly the same way, basically. Um, you know, your default default audio, go to settings, default audio on your Apple TV, and you choose the home pods. And um that is it. It's set it and forget. In the usual Apple cliche that we say, it, it just works. Just works. <laughs> it just and in this case, wow, I am blown away. I went to you know, on the Apple TV, I opened Netflix, Disney Plus, um, obviously Apple TV Plus, and whatever I was watching. Now I'm still the, the voiceover and everything is still coming through the TV audio at this point. And I thought, oh, I've done this wrong. I'll have to come back and have another look at it. But as soon as I started playing something, wow. The, the home pods kick in and I'm using the volume on the um, Apple TV remote and it's changing the volume. I can even use the volume controls on my phone to turn the volume up and down on the home pods as it's amazing. playing. And it sounds amazing. But more than that, um, absolutely rock solid. I mean, I've had it going for, uh, I don't know, a week or two now and it's never disconnected. It's never not worked. And yeah, you know, there's, there's something about that. You can rely on it. And, i tell you why I know it's good. It's because the rest of the family haven't complained to told me to take it off and put it back to how it was. Mm. Um, the kids were in there last night and they were watching Disney Plus something on it and they were, they were enjoying it. And, you know, because it just works, it wasn't a case of, yeah, okay, uh, yeah, just actually turn it off and turn it on again and, yeah, reset the, the, the Fire TV stick and, yeah, maybe it'll work again. It's just, wow, consistently works, sounds great. And uh, I'm really enjoying that aspect of it. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Now, I haven't tried the ARC or eARC, I believe they call it on this. I haven't set that up yet. So at the minute, I'm just it's just the audio of everything that's coming through the Apple TV, you know, no matter what the service is, as I said, Netflix, Disney Plus or whatever. Um, but I haven't been able to get the TV audio coming through the HomePods or, as I said, if I had a satellite or cable box. Um, but that's purely because I haven't looked into that yet. I haven't had the chance because I can't scrabble around the back of the TV to set it up. And I think the TV the- has to have an e-arc as opposed to just your uh, just arc. Just uh, yeah, that's that's the thing. I haven't looked into it. I didn't know what the difference was. I didn't know if it was backwards compatible because I'm pretty sure this TV only has arc. Mm. Um, I don't it know what the, the difference same. Yeah. is. So, um, but that would be cool. But to be honest, even just using the Apple TV, which is my preferred sort of set-top box, I suppose, if we're going to call it that, Mm. for streaming services. You know, it works really well, even with Prime Video on the Apple TV. Um, It's just so nice, and it's just done so well. It's just so Apple. Fantastic. i got to say that. Okay. Well, I look forward to hearing other people's thoughts. If you've gone out and got yourself a HomePod and you want to share your thoughts with us, then please do get in touch. Tell us what you think. I'll give you the details to get in touch at the end. Let's get to some emails, and we'll start with Pennsylvania Greg. Hello. I would like to add my thoughts on how to choose a screen reader to the response you gave Frank. First, I have no experience with dolphins, so we'll simply disregard them in this email. One very important consideration is what level of training and support do you need? 
Freedom Scientific with JAWS and Fusion provide what they call basic training audio recordings, which are excellent at teaching both concepts and keystrokes at a go-at-your-own-pace self-teaching method. And they also provide many advanced training materials and webinars covering more advanced features of JAWS and Fusion. Additionally, they provide telephone, email and tandem support directly in the US and through their vendors around the world. If you need that support, it's very important to take that into consideration. Also, if you need to do any kind of advanced mathematics, then JAWS is your only realistic choice. If you are comfortable with using a computer and are good at problem solving on your own, NVDA is an effective, affordable option for home use and self-employment for a great many users, and there are very few occasions when NVDA works better than JAWS. Narrator has the advantage of the very best natural-sounding human-like voices of any screen reader with Windows 11, and is very good at system controls and some Windows Store apps that have annoying shortfalls with other screen readers. And, of course, it is free. NVDA is financed by user contributions, and you can use it for free if you can't afford to donate. I personally use all three of these. Fusion slash JAWS is my primary driver. I use NVDA once in a while and use Narrator when wanting a very pretty text-to-speech voice or in a few deep-dive window settings that require a lot of fancy cursor switching to accomplish with JAWS. Lastly, if you need any scripting, JAWS is probably going to be a better choice than NVDA in many circumstances. Evaluate your needs. If you are experienced enough to do so, try the demo versions of JAWS as well as NVDA and Narrator. There is no need to rush into anything with free options and a demo mode of the paid options. Greg in Pennsylvania. Well, that sums up nicely, I think. I think that was an amazing answer, in depth, but to the point. Uh, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Now, I did a, a, a sort of make the assumption, maybe I shouldn't have done that, because he's using Fusion already, that he's aware of the tutorials aspect of it. But you're absolutely right. The support that comes with a paid product like um, you know, Jaws or anything from Freedom Scientific, there is a, a, a lot there, especially if you're coming at this as a first-time user. Yeah, Excellent points, Greg. Can't argue with any of that. Fantastic. Well, more on this now from John. Again, Laura reads our emails. Hi, Stephen and Sean. Firstly, it's great to have Sean back, although now every time he talks, I just think of him sitting on his potty, which isn't a pleasant picture. (laughs) But I wanted to talk about learning screen readers. I was diagnosed with RP when I was about 20. I was told I'd probably go blind. Even when I had to give up driving in my 30s, it still didn't feel like it was something I'd really have to face. But now I'm 48. In the last few years, it's suddenly become a thing. Last year, I went from dabbling in screen readers to being reliant, and the white cane started being the thing I needed now, not the thing I was learning. You know, just in case. I do believe there are some things you can do that make transitioning to a screen reader easier. Firstly, learn touch typing. There are loads of free websites that can help. I wish I'd spent more time learning this as my typing is horrible and I waste so much of my life because I hit the wrong keys and don't know it. As a coder, I can't say how much time I waste looking for that extra or missing apostrophe or colon. Next, learn how to listen. Lady A or G can help, as can listening to podcasts. Try increasing the speed bit by bit. Yes, it makes Mark sound like a chipmunk, but honestly, no matter how fast you get, Sean will sound the same, so it's okay. The hardest thing is switching (laughs) from relying on what goes on inside your head to trying to decipher a voice rabbiting on at you at 100 miles an hour. Learning voiceover on the iPhone is also helpful. I was on a huge Android brick with big fonts, dark mode and all the trimmings. For work, I was given a tiny little iPhone 12 and it made me learn voiceover out of necessity. 
I'd been trying to use it on my Mac with much frustration before then, but the iPhone gave me the confidence to know that maybe a screen reader was something I could do. Next, there's learning to use the keyboard instead of a mouse. If you can still see, this will make you faster anyway if you can get to grips with all the keyboard shortcuts. This is a bit easier in Windows than the Mac. In my experience, though, dabbling in a screen reader wasn't that helpful. I needed to just turn it on all the time and get used to it. I mainly used my Mac, but had a Windows laptop I was going to use to learn NVDA. This didn't work for me as I needed to be having it on all the time. At first, it feels like your ears are under a barrage of sound and it's almost unbearable, but that passes soon enough. I still use a Mac and haven't managed to master Windows yet. VoiceOver has everything it needs to be perfect. It just needs to work the same way each time. Just trying to change tabs in Safari is confusing and random. Text editing sometimes goes all over the place for no reason. It's frustrating, not because it is bad, but because it has the potential to be so good. One final word of advice. Don't get disheartened by the elite blind who have the seemingly unattainable speech rates set to maximum with the fastest voices. <laughs> when Ventura came out, they sped the speed up. Please tell me I didn't imagine that. And I was incredibly disheartened having to turn it down because it felt like I was regressing. Mm-hmm. There's no competition here, so don't feel bad about being slow or not knowing what to do. I've asked so many stupid questions on AppleViz and have met nothing but kindness and patience as well as having my questions answered, which also helps. I'm not sure if any of this helps, but there have been times when I have felt utterly defeated by it and thought I was too old to learn this kind of thing. It really does get easier. The good thing about a computer screen reader is you can turn it on and use it normally. Get used to the noise, then slowly find your way in with the keyboard shortcuts and so on. It does get easier. I'm not saying I'm a pro, but if a grumpy old git like me can manage it, then there should be a home for everyone. Okay. I said final word about half an hour ago. Sorry for the waffle. <laughs> Hashtag hail to the plant pot. Well, I've been wanting to say that for a while. John from Northampton. Joanne, fantastic. That's, that's just fantastic. And uh, every word of that is so, so important, what you just said. Uh, Absolutely. I think that's going to have a lot of impact on a lot of people actually hearing that. Um I've totally forgot about touch typing. Absolutely. I just assumed that everyone knows touch typing. I hated it. I absolutely, they they had to drag me through those lessons. Three years at the RNC in Hereford, the Blind College over here in the UK. And I hated it. But it was the best thing, the best skill that I ever picked up. It absolutely makes everything so much easier. I was taught at school on a typewriter. Yeah, so was I. Yeah, yeah. And I remember, I remember thinking, bloody at the time, fingers caught yeah. in between the keys, <laughs> and it was horrible. It was yes. really horrible. And and what I, my favourite bit was when my teacher, uh, Miss Strachan, if she's listening, she'll know exactly who she is. Used Hello, to put Miss Bullock. That she, was used mine. To, she used to put a piece of paper over, and my wife, who's my now my wife, no, she wasn't my wife at the time. Obviously, that would be weird. Um, but you know, but my wife would would sit beside me as she was at the time, uh, my friend at school, and we'd sit together. In this in this room, and we'd be taught, and and we'd sit, and I always remember the piece of white paper she'd put over my hands, so I couldn't see the keys, as if it made any difference. <gasps> Cheater! But yes. she would put the hands, and 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 you know it was funny. It was an electric typewriter, and I'd type away on it. And of course, the thing was then, you, I mean, actually on those you could actually make mistakes because there was a way to delete. It was basically the delete key essentially just fired tipex at the last letter. That's right, the tipex ribbon. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that was it, right? So, you know, but even then we were told you can't make mistakes, you shouldn't make mistakes. And that was honestly the best thing. I thank you, Miss Strachan, for that. And if nothing else, I thank you for that and that single 
wonderful thing. If I was to say, if anything got me out, you know, if I came out of school and learned anything, touch typing was probably the one thing that stuck with me the whole way through the rest I of my life. I absolutely agree. I totally agree. Yeah, it, it changed everything. It made it so much easier. I was coding. I took, I, I did coding at college and uh, I, I used to, you know, what do they call it? Hempeck, chicken peck at it. I, I don't know. You know, I'm looking yeah, at the keys. Yeah, uh, and But the... Touch typing, it just makes everything so much easier. Yeah, it's such a good point. I think the other thing I'd say is, and one thing that John didn't mention, which he, he, he I don't know if it's something that was useful to you, John, but for me, turning the screen off. Because the the temptation when you've still got some vision to, to look and try and see something that's going on on screen, and when you actually turn the screen off, you realise that you do start listening more. You know, the, the challenge of listening is because you're looking yes. at it, you're kind of like if the screen doesn't do something instantly, you think there's something wrong or you think that, oh, hang on. So you're not listening anymore. You're just looking. And then you listen. And if you actually just turn the screen off, you realize that you start to become in sync with the screen reader much, much more easily. You, you also can find, you can also find your way through it quicker and you can find faults quicker. You can just deal with it better, I think, you know, with the I screen think off. Of patience is, is something we just, you know, but it's hard, though, isn't it? In it? Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I learned screen reader while I was at work. I mean, that was the worst ever time to learn. Yeah, of course, yeah. Because you're doing it in a rush. Pressure. You think, come on, I need to do this. And the way it helped, actually, because it helped get it done, uh, mm. and it helped it in a practical way, because I think sometimes I know, if you How have, stressful was it, though? Well, know? it was stressful, but I think having practical tasks is a good thing as well. You know, I think it's a bit like any kind of learning. Like, I've been trying to learn Reaper, and I don't have a project to work on, necessarily. So I'm like... yeah. Yeah. And the problem is for me that a project to work on that I'm going to use, I'd need to learn it in like three hours, you know, because I yeah, need to get right. this work There's out the door. Yeah. yeah. It's not like something I'm just working on. Maybe that's it. Maybe you just have to create a project in the background. Maybe maybe I'll record something in, in Vienna next week and we'll, you know, I'll, you know, I'll just use it as a, a project. We'll learn it together. Yes. Yeah. And, and I think the other thing I would mention as well, just John picks up on something there, which I think is so important to say, and that is around speed. Don't feel you have to be going at, you know, if, if it's not at 100 miles an hour, you're doing something wrong or you're just not there yet. I actually found my speed would start to speed up as I was learning and then I'd start to bring it back. I think you find a place. Sometimes it can just be too fast and you think, actually, you know, I don't need this mm-hmm. to be this speed. There, there's, a, there's a difference between, I think you, you, there's, a, there's a point somewhere where it's just fast enough but it's also not too much that you feel that your brain is trying to keep up. I, I think it's where you're at. It's familiarity, right? If if I know what I'm looking for, if I'm going to a website, I go to a lot, I can speed it right up because I'm listening out for something in particular. Yeah. And then if I want to, you know, if I'm listening to an article, I'll slow it back down again. But you're absolutely mm. right. It does seem to, there used to be almost, you know, how, how fast can you have it? And if yes. you can't have it that fast, it, you know, well, well, you're not as good. But yeah, I don't think that's the case. And plus it makes a difference what voice you're having. Going back to what uh, Greg from Pennsylvania said, you know, I use narrator a lot now because I love the natural voice. The cloud voice yep. are absolutely amazing. Uh, so, you know, and I have that slow because it's just a nice experience. Uh, let's get one more email in, um, and this is from Negative Julian. Good morning, gentlemen, and Ooh. Laura. Welcome back, Sean. I do hope that you soon get over the constipation and can get off that commode. Prunes, perhaps. <laughs> Stephen, I am so impressed that you were hoping to visit Sean. It is perhaps one of the great questions of true friendship. Will you empty and clean my commode for me, please? No. To the meat of my email. As so Fair often enough. with the things that stir me up, it was one of your throwaway comments that has got me going. 
During your discussion of Dropbox problems, you casually said in these days when everyone has high-speed internet, if only I live in rural Suffolk. Around here, fibre to the door and 5G are science fiction. The highest speed that we can aspire to is 68 megabits per second. That is what I pay for, but I rarely get it. That's high Mid-40s is more typical. On December 21st last year, after a couple of days of being very erratic, it failed completely. Naturally, I phoned my provider and complained. After running some tests, they declared that an OpenReach engineer would have to attend, but guess what? Because it was Christmas, he could not come until the following Wednesday, December 28th. (gasps) Fortunately, the internet did subsequently reappear, but fluctuating wildly. Streaming anything over Christmas was very dodgy. If I had relied on the internet for TV, I would have had no hope of watching anything at all. When the engineer did turn up, he could find nothing wrong in the house and expressed the opinion that the problem was simply down to an obsolete infrastructure. He left to look into that and shortly afterwards the system went back to full speed. A couple of weeks after the events mentioned above, guess what happened? Yes, the internet failed completely again. I contacted my provider again. They ran their tests again. This time they did not bother to send an engineer to the house but instead requested OpenReach to check the system again. Shortly afterwards, everything was working once more. I am typically still getting only about two-thirds of the speed I pay for but I have given up chasing my provider. What can they do when the basic problem is that this area's infrastructure is museum quality? That is, of course, the sort of museum where you can only look at the exhibits, not expect to see them working. (laughs) I write this email partly to remind you that we are not all as privileged as you, and partly because I wonder if Canada, the USA and other countries have to put up with this nonsense. As you have said, welcome to the UK. Regards, Mm. Negative Julian. I think Canada, being so huge probably has many, many, many areas which are in this similar, if not worse, situation. Oh, definitely. But definitely. Let's, be, let's be fair. Um, negative Julian, that is high-speed internet. Yeah. I mean, you know, if, if, even if you're talking 10 megabits, uh, th- that's enough for a lot of things, and that is... Well, Netflix minimum requirement is three. Is it? Is it yeah. really? Oh, that's a minimum know. requirement. Don't forget it's adaptive, so it can adjust itself to suit a slow connection. But... You know, three yes. megabits is the base level. You can run. I, I actually remember the first time I ever had a Netflix, and I think it wasn't a two megabit connection. It wasn't a big connection at all. I remember going from two megabits to you know eighty or was it sixty megabits, and that was incredible. Yeah, um, that, of course that, you're that, on gigabit now. Yeah, well I'm on gigabit it's now. Still yeah. that. and that's yeah. not for everybody. I get that, but you know, and it's, it's costly and all that stuff. I get it, but you know, it's it's partly what you know, I need you it need for it. what I do. Yes. Uh, but most people, my, my dad, for example, he's on sixty. Eight megabits, I think it is, for my mum and dad. And mm-hmm. it's fine. I mean, it seems as fast as anything else. But then, I mean, you're not getting as much as that, Julian. That's the problem. But even so, you know, 40, 30 should still be okay. Yeah, I think but, you've, got, uh, you've clearly got other problems with that line. That seems to be the issue. Uh, but that's the point, though, that the infrastructure that is still there, which is, you know, it could be decades old. And there's yeah. obviously some sort of problem either at the exchange or somewhere else along the line that needs turning off and turning on again, <laughs> yes. hopefully replacing at some point, which keeps causing you troubles there, Julian. But um, yeah, you, you are right. There's still an ancient infrastructure. And trying to upgrade that all, you know, it, it, it's a huge undertaking. But I think, I think we are getting there. Uh, just a quick programme note to say before we go that uh, tomorrow we are going to be discussing the subject of Ira, a special guest, good friend of mine, Ian Hamilton. He's a BBC broadcaster of the UK. Uh, he was the guy who got me into radio. He's the, he's oh. the reason I'm here today. I've got I'll, a few I'll things to tell him. Yeah, exactly. You can have a word with him tomorrow. <laughs> uh, he's joining us on the show to talk all about Ira, and he has a premise to put to all of us. 
Should we be as reliant on technology as we are? It's an interesting conversation. We're going to get into that debate and discussion tomorrow in our weekend edition. And uh, no show on Monday because it is, of course, Family Day on Monday in Canada. So our show will not be on, uh, but we'll, we'll be back on Tuesday. But and we we'll are family. Telling, yeah, well, we're family, exactly. But that, we're not oh. going to be on air. No, we, but they're separate families. Yeah, yeah. We're we are quite literally a brother from like... another mother. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, uh, listen, we, we are not going to be on Monday, but we are back Tuesday and we'll be telling you all about our big trip next week. Well, my big trip, at least, to Vienna, where I'll be telling you all about the Zero Project Conference all next week. We'll be joined by Michael Fembeck, who's the CEO of the Zero Project. Uh, really looking forward to hearing from him and hearing Sean complain that he's not coming. Correct. Yeah, that's Matt's our Monday, well, that's our Tuesday episode. Uh, that's it for us today, though. Uh, have a great weekend, if you can. and. Uh, Please do join us for the next Double Tap. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. Bye-bye. Love Double Tap? Did you know we're on the TV too? Check out brand new episodes of Double Tap TV on AMI-tv every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Or binge on all episodes online at ami.ca forward slash Double Tap. We're also on YouTube. Search for Double Tap to catch our episodes there too. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.